You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Tower Junkies is a podcast celebrating the work of Stephen King with a special focus on his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Keth episodes. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about all things that serve the King. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, is Tiny. Yellow. Hi, Tiny. How's so, it going? Good, man. Good. Good. Very good. Um, what are we going to be doing today on the podcast, Tiny? We're going to be reviewing It Chapter 2. Yes. The highly anticipated sequel or follow-up to It Chapter 1 from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited. We And we've got a lot of new news and check-ins um, to, to go through real quick before we get into that. But basically, what we're going to do, if, like we said, if, you, if this is your first time listening, the way we break down reviews of movies is we do a non-spoiler review and then a spoiler review. The way we're going to kind of divvy up this one is we're going to do a non-spoiler, then spoiler review, and then do a book spoiler review, I think. So uh, if you're wary of that, if you haven't read the book and want to just hear our thoughts on the movie, or if you haven't seen the movie but you want to hear our non-spoiler thoughts, check out the show notes of the episode. You can also find that at towerjunkiespod.com slash 032. So uh, before we get into our review, though, we do have some Stephen King news to go through. Um, we actually have a ton of Stephen King news that Tiny, I think... We may, if schedule's permitting, we may need to reconvene like next week or something mm-hmm. and do like a news roundup. Okay. Um, but I do have a few news items to, to kind of run through if you want to do that. Sure. Okay. So, uh, first things first, um, in the tall grass, the, uh, adaptation of the, uh, novella from Stephen King and Joe Hill, uh, that it, it was, a. Uh, it's coming out. Um, it's going to be on Netflix, I think, October 4th. Um, so just in a few weeks. And it's directed by Vincenzo Natale, who, not to brag, uh, totally liked my uh, tweet about it. So, nice. Yes. Um, so uh, there was a trailer that came out today. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and play a little clip from the trailer here, but... I haven't seen the trailer, and I'm going to avoid it, so maybe I won't put a clip here. I don't know. Have you seen the trailer, Tiny? No, I haven't. Okay. Um, so, well, there's a trailer out there, guys. <laughs> um, I'll put a small clip here, I guess. I'll put the, like the beginning of it here. So that sounds like it'll be really good, even though I haven't seen it. But um, but yeah, I'm super excited about that because of something in my check-ins. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm excited for that. Are you excited for it, Tiny? Um, a little bit. Okay. Uh, I thought the book was okay. Oh, interesting. So yeah. Yeah. We'll 
Okay. Okay. Are you familiar? And I think if we've talked about this before on the podcast, are you familiar with Vincenzo Natale's work? No. Okay. I know him primarily from, uh, his directing work on the, uh, the, the TV show Hannibal. And like that has some very just vivid, uh, imagery in it that I'm like this. That's what makes me really excited for this, uh, for this particular adaptation. Okay. Um, he also, directed um the movie splice mm. and he had a apparently he had a segment in uh paris oh okay um which i know that you're a fan of uh-huh. <laughs> um uh, but he also directed cube which is a movie that i have not seen oh, but i've heard good things about yeah um so yeah so he's he's a talented director and i'm super excited to see him uh, adapt this particular King slash Hill joint. Well, that has me a little more excited for it then. Nice, nice. Um, second piece of news is that the Institute, uh, which came out, <laughs> uh, the Institute was published, uh, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it has already got, uh, rights lined up to be a limited series. Nice. Um, it's going to be, uh, the, uh, David E. Kelly and Jack Bender. Who Jack hmm. Bender has directed tons of TV. Yeah, and, he's uh, like a legend in TV. Yeah, and uh, most notably for me, I uh, um, associate him with Lost. Lost. So right. yeah, um, and David E. Kelly and him, they they are also kind of producers on the Mr. Mercedes adaptation. So there's a okay. lot of like, I I don't know if the out uh, the uh, I'm sorry the Institute is going to be a limited series on like audience network or whatever Mr. Mercedes is, but Mm. um, it's safe to say that it's going to be the same kind of creative team. Cool. Um, Next piece of news is that The Stand had some casting announcements Mm. and production has officially begun on it. Yes. Um, Super excited for this. Josh Boone, um, uh, I believe Owen King is one of is like in the writers' room, and he's he's one of the people writing it. Um, also, Stephen King is writing, has written, did write the last episode, and like a brand new like kind of coda to the story. So mm. that's crazy exciting. But the exciting piece of casting news um, that I have is uh, two things. Um, I know that there was more casting, but the things that stick out is that a Owen Teague is going to be playing Harold Lauder, not Lautner, um, Lautner, um, in the adaptation. Owen Teague was, uh, Patrick Hochstetter in It and, hmm. spoiler alert, Chapter 2. Okay. Um, he was also in Black Mirror, uh, Bloodline. Uh, he's, he's a very talented, uh, young up and coming actor. And like I tweeted this and not to brag, but O and T kind of liked the tweet also. Um, so, um, follow us at towerjunkiespod.com. No, at towerjunkiespod on Twitter. Um, (laughs) but I was like, he's not like, he's not remotely what I would picture for Harold. Um, because Harold is kind of this, he's almost a caricature of like, uh, just like overweight, gross, kind of, um, skeevy kind of guy. But Owen Teague is obviously like, uh, a thin dude. Yeah. Um, but I think that I, I mean, he's a very talented actor, so I think he'll pull it off very well. Nice. Um, also, 
bigger announcement. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård is playing Randall Flagg, yes. the walking dude, um, the dark man. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you feel about this casting? <laughs> I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, he wasn't necessarily who I had in mind, but mm-hmm. um, I think he's really coming into his own as an actor. Um, I never thought he was like bad, but I feel mm-hmm. like like when he was playing on uh, True Blood and stuff, he was, mm-hmm. you know, tended to be kind of over the top and stuff like that. But uh, I think when he has good material, he's a pretty good actor. And uh, he won, I believe, an Emmy slash Golden Globe slash both for sure. Big Little Lies. Oh, yeah, he was in um, Big Little Lies. Yeah. I, I still haven't seen that. Okay. He was yeah. absolutely phenomenal in that. So uh, the character he played in Big Little Lies is very conniving and mm-hmm. uh, crazy creepy sure uh, e- pretty much evil mm-hmm. and so if he just kind of channels that he will be a great man in black yeah flag, walking dude um i i'm i'm so excited I, plus he's a big name right? yeah oh totally yeah um i'm i'm crazy excited so uh also so josh boone is the person kind of you know behind the scenes he's the mm-hmm. director and everything he uh i recommend checking him out on instagram okay. uh josh boone movies on instagram he posted uh first day complete it's just him standing in front of uh what appears to be a cornfield nice. um, he's he's squatting in front of it um something that's mother abigail's farm but he also posted this uh his announcement for um uh, Alexander Skarsgård playing Randall Flagg was this picture on Instagram that is just a bunch of denim uh, jackets, <laughs> uh, presumably from the wardrobe. Um, nice. So that's super, super exciting. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited that this is happening. Like, I know that Josh Boone for years has talked about this, and he's been such a big fan of Stephen King. And he's just, I, man, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be Josh Boone. <laughs> like, oh, and like he even got Stephen King to be a part of his uh, 2012 rom-com right. Stuck in Love. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So He's the right man for the job. He is. He, I can't wait to see. I, I really can't wait to see this. I am dreading the uh, podcast content we will have to provide. <laughs> yeah. Um, because... Uh, the stand's a big book. It is, and there's a mini series there. I, I also remembered suddenly uh, yesterday that it was. Uh, there's also a bunch of comic books. There are, and I have a bunch of them, and I've never um, read them. Yep, uh, same here. Well, I have one of them, but like, I'm thinking like, okay, we'll have to do the comic book series and everything too. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we'll have our work cut out for us. Um. But the only, only thing that has me hesitant about the project project is that it's mm-hmm. on cbs all access what makes it? yes it is yeah. what makes you hesitant about that uh i i just uh, am notoriously not a fan of the platform oh yes that's right um, okay and it's network and, <clears throat> yeah um, well it being ne- they still they're allowed to do like they have that freedom like they're they're not yeah i know to, yeah. i know but it's still just uh, like studio interference fruit of the poisonous tree oh yeah kind of thing yeah yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, that that's a, an opinion of mine that could be changing a little mm-hmm. bit. There's some new show that's coming out on Fox. that's real edgy. Like uh, Michael Sheen is a serial killer in prison, and his son is a detective. 
I don't know oh, what it's called. Yeah. Is it just evil? Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. I saw a preview for it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And then at the end it says, new on Fox. And I was like, yeah. Uh, uh. yeah. And like my wife's like, ooh, that looks really good. And I'm like, great, <laughs> we're going to fucking watch this thing now. Right. And it could be good. I, yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. I, uh, That's the thing. Like, I shouldn't be that way. But right. It's the snob in me. I just, yeah. I can't, I can't get past it for but whatever I, reason. I think that with CBS All Access, I think it's safe to kind of divorce yourself from that. Yeah. Um, just because they're not confined to right. that kind of thing. It's a different platform. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But I do understand that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if it were on CBS true like on the show like on the, the network like yeah like ooh. oh yeah i would be terrified <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yeah there oh nope no thank you yeah um so yeah so that's that's super exciting mm-hmm. and we'll maybe talk more about that when we do our news roundup episodes soonish um other pieces of news um first this is just this, there's no news to it but since we are a dark tower podcast um there have been i wouldn't say there have been, there have been whispers about the dark tower tv show because it's kind of been kind of radio silence for the most part but um showrunner for the project that as far as i know has only had a uh pilot order from uh amazon prime uh, adapting obviously the Dark Tower series, starting with um, uh, uh, Wizard and Glass and be flashback and everything. They shot the pilot in the spring, and Glenn Mazzara, who is the showrunner of it, he is he tweeted something um that made that caught a lot of people's ears um uh, or eyes, I guess. Uh, so let me try to find it here because I I have to go through a whole bunch of tweets here. I'm so sorry. So a couple weeks ago, Glenn Mazzara had tweeted, and like I said, there's no like official news or anything, but as of right now, Amazon has ordered a pilot for the Dark Tower TV series that they shot in the spring, I believe. Um, but Glenn Mazzara on, on like September 4th or 3rd tweeted, uh, just wrote a scene that Becca Noble, his writer's assistant, who on LinkedIn apparently lists her occupation as, uh, um, Dark Tower TV script coordinator. Hmm. Um, and her uh, bio on Twitter is, my brain is a haunted house script witch for the Dark Tower TV. Um, so anyway, uh, Glenn Mazzara tweeted, just wrote a scene that Becca Noble describes as Downton Abbey plus David Lynch plus Stephen King plus Jumbo's Clown Room, which apparently Jumbo's Clown Room is like a kind of an L.A. Specific reference of okay. some kind. Yeah, I didn't get that one. Yeah, but uh, I think it's safe to say that it means that he's writing scripts for the Dark Tower TV show. Yeah. Um, and so even though, like I would say, like, okay, well, there hasn't been an official green light from Amazon or anything for, for a season or anything, but what I would kind of hesitantly infer from that is that they have ordered more scripts at the least. Yeah. Um, so, because I don't, I doubt that he would be writing them on spec. I, yeah, I don't mean, maybe he could be, I don't know how it works, but, um, but yeah, I think that that's pretty optimistic. Totally. Um, yeah. So that's all I got for that. But last piece of news is that castle rock. Um, should I, should I play the, the theme music? Sure. Sure. Castle rock. Oh, and, not I don't that. Know. No, oh, oh, God. I have it isolated. So when we review it, we're, oh, we're going to be doing that. Oh. Um, <clears throat> castle rock. Um, Castle Rock is in the house tonight, Tiny. Mm. 
It's not, so, though. Yeah. <laughs> king. Just King. I don't remember it. Anyway, uh, yeah. Castle Rock Season 2 premieres October 23rd. 2019 on Hulu. Uh, did you see? Oh my God! Did you see the trailer for this? I did. How do you feel about this? And how excited are you? Uh, very excited. Mm-hmm. I mean the the whole. I like how they're really focusing on the whole Annie Wilkes thing mm-hmm. because um, I feel like Misery is almost a little obscure, at least for modern audiences. Um, I'll meet you halfway. Yeah. I like, well, I feel like a lot of like people who have Hulu mm-hmm. who are into Hulu are younger. Mm-hmm. Millennials, you know, that don't, may not even know what misery is, mm-hmm. and because they don't have the the life experience to know what misery really is. <laughs> God damn, am it. I right? Yeah, fucking snowflakes. Yeah, um, <laughs> you took it to a different place, but okay. <laughs> um, but that that thrills me because I'm such a big fan of the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was thrilling. But uh, it was other than that, it was a pretty a very chill. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, trailer. Yep, it kind of ambiguous. Yeah, it showed a lot yeah. of the um, the main characters, but there was mm-hmm. no no huge set pieces. Yeah, at least that I could see. There was yeah. no like. There's a car accident, but I think okay. that's just about it. There was no like revealing uh, dialogue or anything. Yeah. really. I mean, it was yeah, it, it was it was a good teaser. I agree. I agree. A true teaser. Yes. One thing that really stuck out to me about stuck out to me about stuck out to me with the trailer um, <clears throat> was the way that they made Lizzie Kaplan look like Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. Like the way like her makeup is done, the way her, the way her hair is kind of straight and kind of um, unassuming, mm-hmm. but also like there are shots in that trailer that just kind of, like we're jaw dropping to me because they're it's filmed in a way that the lighting is hitting it as hitting her face in a certain way that and my assumption is that it's meant to emulate the 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 work the the lighting effects and everything and the cuts in misery the movie and it like it looks like she's Annie Wilkes and it's like it's so like that has me that has me so excited nice so yeah uh, so yeah, so that's October 23rd. We are going to be reviewing it on the podcast, and hopefully we don't die. Um, so that's news. Uh, we'll do a proper news roundup uh, eventually. But Tiny, before we get into our review even more, um, check-ins. Do you have any Stephen King check-ins for us this week? Uh, this yeah. Time? Uh, checking in on the Institute. Yes. Uh, I'm about five hours into it. Nice. Made a little bit of progress today. I'll make more tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's... I'm enjoying the crap out of it so mm-hmm. far. Um, it hooked me in pretty quick. Very cool. Yeah, it's it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I finished it today. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, uh, I, re- I really enjoyed it. There was, um, there was a moment last night when I was, I was listening to it before bed and I was like, I've got like four hours left. And like, I tweeted this and I was just like, if it wasn't midnight, I would just power through and I would just <laughs> like, finish it now. Cause like, it's so like the momentum is, is really good. I, I really like the kind of, momentum he has with it nice um so yeah so that's one of my check-ins i do have a few more that i'll just kind of breeze through since we're running a little long but 
first of all, uh, obviously finished the Institute today, so I'm excited about that. Um, also, I before I even started the Institute, I listened to Firestarter for the first time. Firestarter is a book you haven't read? I have not read. Okay, have you seen the movie? Nope. Okay. Um, yeah, I listened to the audiobook and I enjoyed it. Um, I was kind of, I was very in, interested in listening to it and, and experiencing Firestarter because it was obviously one of the King books that was, uh, heavily influenced, that heavily influenced Stranger Things, especially season one. And I could see quite a few of those, those, um, influences and everything but it's not like a a blatant like rip off of firestarter or anything <laughs> but it's it's a good story it's uh it's i i enjoyed it quite a bit um the 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 relationship at the core of it between uh charlie the firestarter and her father who like the book is they're on the run from the shop uh which is basically you know a secret organization that uh yeah i don't know but i won't give anything more away but it's uh it's really thrilling and really interesting there's some classic king isms that i don't know how i really felt about it but i enjoyed it so we'll eventually get to it down the road but um yeah for now i just enjoyed it nice and then after finishing the institute today i listened to in the tall grass okay um which we will probably review soon in the lead up to the movie um we may need to do like a two episode in a week thing for release i don't know but well maybe i don't know we'll talk about it but um yeah it's funny i'm looking forward to talking to you about in the tall grass in a more you know expanded conversation because i was really into it really yeah i uh i was i was really into it um and like by the end by the end of it i was just like kind of not i wouldn't say gobsmacked but i was just like i kind of like i was listening to it and toward the end like the big climactic moment of the of the story um i'm sitting at my desk doing my work and i'm like i have my jaw like agape (laughs) <laughs> and one of my coworkers walks by and I'm just like, I didn't even acknowledge if she saw me or anything, but I was just like, I was, I had this dumb struck expression on my face. Like, Whoa, did that, did that really happen? And everything <laughs> it was, it was, I, I enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to talking to you more about it. Um, a couple other quick things. I bought the stand mini series on digital. I talked about how I had res- uh, pre-ordered the Blu-ray that's coming out, but I went ahead and canceled the pre-order cause I found it on voodoo. It was fine. Okay. Um, I also bought the Salem's lot mini series from 79, I think with Roblo. No, was he in the 2004? I don't know. Uh, Salem's Lot miniseries? Yeah. That's with the dude from uh, Duke's Hazard. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I don't know his name. Interesting. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Because I just, in my head, oh, okay, I think, yeah. I think that's, um, I might be misremembering. Oh, you might be right. Okay, yeah. David Soul plays uh, Ben Mears. James Mason plays Straker. Um... Who was he in? Anyway, it's the Tobe Hooper um, uh, miniseries. But it's it's interesting because on Voodoo, like both Salem's Lot and... Uh, by the way, he was in... He was Starsky and Hutch. You may Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, yeah, might be what I'm thinking He was Hutch. Yeah. But um, 
this miniseries is on Vudu, like it's just a full movie mm. version of it, which I'm kind of, and the stand is the same way on there too. So that, that was kind of a, a letdown. That's kind of annoying. Yeah, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so th- those are my check-ins of, yeah, those are my check-ins. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that. So should we review this movie? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So those are the check-ins for the week and, uh, hope you guys enjoyed them. And we are going to go into our review of it chapter two. Um, so, Tiny, I'm going to go ahead and read the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb. Okay. Um, it Chapter 2, directed by Andy Muschietti. Uh, defeated by members of the Losers Club, the evil clown Pennywise returns 27 years later to terrorize the town of Derry, Maine once again. Now adults, the childhood friends have long since uh, gone their separate ways, but when people start disappearing, Mike Hanlon calls the others home for one final stand. Damaged by scars from the past, the United Losers must conquer their deepest fears to destroy the shape-shifting Pennywise, now more powerful than ever. Uh, so, Tiny, um, will you allow me to postpone the review just a little bit longer so we can talk about the Obsessive Viewer Facebook group screening event? <laughs> I'll allow it. Yes. Okay, thank you. So, we did our second time ever, I think. I think second, um, yeah, second time. Yeah. Uh, an obsessive viewer Facebook group screening, which you can go to obsessive, uh, facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer to get, to go to the Facebook group and everything. Occasionally we post in there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, go, uh, so we basically brought people together to see this movie. We did. Um, and, um, <laughs> Uh, I want to, I want to give a shout out to, so, uh, people were there and I, that's always super nice and awesome. Um, uh, uh long time listener Andy was there, mm-hmm. Matt and Draco, um, also, uh, Paige, no relation, right. <laughs> um, was there, which, okay. I had this joke in my head, this stupid joke in my head that, uh, so one of our listeners, Paige, was there, as well as your wife, Paige. Mm-hmm. Two separate people, obviously. So, like, my joke was, like, in my head, and I almost messaged you with this, but let me make sure I get this right. Uh, like, I imagined myself saying, like, what is this? An email uh, that I send to Tiny in the middle of the night with <laughs> way too much detail about uh, something insignificant for the podcast <laughs> because it's two pages. Oh my god! Um, yeah, well, I'm so glad that I didn't do that. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, how did you feel about the uh, Facebook group screening? It was great. We had a lot of people there. We did. Um. I mean, more than a few. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think me, you, uh, mm-hmm. both the pages, mm-hmm. uh, Man and Draco, mm-hmm. Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our, uh, our friends, Donnie and David were there. Yep. It's eight people. Yeah. Also, uh, our, I don't want to, okay. I don't want to lessen the importance. I don't want to, I don't want to rank the listeners of the podcast or anything like that, (laughs) but I, I don't remember their name, but I'll just, uh, everyone will know who it was. A newborn baby was there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, our uh, most important listener. Yeah. Um, which to, okay. So, so there was a baby at the screening, yes. like someone brought their baby, but okay. I, I, I get like, first of all, the baby was fine. Right. Like at the beginning, it was crying a little bit because mm-hmm. it was being scarred for life. <laughs> but, uh, and like, I, it's a Sunday matinee. So, I mean, I guess I can understand that, but like, uh, 
if you have a baby, why bring it to a three-hour, like, rated-R horror movie that's going to have loud noises and yeah. flashing colors and stuff? Right. Um, Strange choice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the baby was very well-behaved, and uh, I look forward to their listenership when they uh, discover podcasts. Yeah. My uh, Paige, my wife, thought it was... Um, she heard the baby, like, making noises. It wasn't really loud, but <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't even hear it. Mm-hmm. But she was like, is that part of the movie? Like, are they trying to be cre- just add creepy sounds <laughs> to the movie? Or did somebody bring a baby to this? And, like, mm. she asked me, she's like, do you hear a baby? And I was like, no, sh- no, I'm trying to watch a movie. <laughs> and then later on, it was, like, a quiet moment in the movie, like, while well, mm-hmm. two characters were talking, and the baby, like, audibly cried. I was like, oh, I hear it now. And she's yeah. like... She like rolled her eyes. Mm. Um, and what yeah. was even more, the baby was texting. The baby <laughs> got a call in the middle of the movie. Um, was screaming at the screen to like look behind you and stuff. It's just, it was really obnoxious. Oh, God. Uh, but no, but it was a lot of fun. It was really great. Um, yeah. Uh, elephant in the room. I did send a text message to Robert Fekas, one of our recurring co-hosts on Obsessive Viewer, mm-hmm. um, and he had to work that day, so gotcha. he couldn't make it. And then Kirsten, one of our other recurring co-hosts, was all set to go, and then uh, she was like, "I'm uh, since I'm moving this weekend, and I have homework and everything. Like she's been, she's been, she's been under a lot of stress and everything. She's like, I hate to be that guy, but I'm like." It's fine. It's, yeah. It's okay. It's cool. Um, yeah. But as I said to everyone in the event page afterwards, I really hope that everyone that went appreciated my uh, live coughing every three minutes during a three-hour movie commentary that I provided. <laughs> I didn't even notice. Um, like, really? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, yeah. Funny. I that That's what kind of sucked for me because... Friday afternoon, I got a sore throat, and then Saturday morning, I had, like, a stuffy nose and headaches, and, like, I was just, like, I was, like, okay, I have a full-blown cold, and then, like, Sunday, it was Sunday morning, I woke up with an excruciating headache, and I was, like, I was, like, I need to, I need to, like, I was waiting, and I was, like, when I woke up, I was, like, I can't go, like, I I just can't do it because it's so bad, but, um... But like I, I like I just held off as long as I could, and then like the headache kind of subsided, and I was like, I'm gonna go. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Dang, was yeah. that your second or third time seeing it? Second time seeing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was the Facebook group screening. That was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So uh, hopefully we can do more things like that. I did float the idea of doing a Doctor Sleep uh, group screening. Yeah. So we cool. may do that. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's stop with the preamble here and let's go into our spoil or not spoiler, Jesus, our non-spoiler thoughts on it. Chapter two. Um, so tiny, I've seen this movie two times now. You've seen it once. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of, my, my thoughts have kind of marinated a little bit and evolved a little bit in that second viewing, but I want to get your, go ahead and, and, you know, uh, sing the song of your review of this spoil non spoiler it chapter two movie. Okay, I will review to my heart's content. Yes. Um. Of course, I was. I'm not surprised at all, but I really loved it. Nice. Um. It's going to be in my top ten for the year without mm. without question. Um. I think as I was leaving, you know, we were talking to our friends and stuff. I was like, mm. hey, you know, did you like it? I mean, what do you think? Um. And most people liked it, but like, uh, Man and Drake was like, oh, it was. He said it was okay mm. and stuff like that, and. Um, I think some other people have had some issues with it. Um, 
and I I had heard a few things mm-hmm. in passing that there were some issues people had, and I was like, okay, I understand that, and I don't think people were wrong um, mm-hmm. about those. But as I was thought about it more, I was like, I don't think we're ever going to get a better adaptation of it. Oh, interesting. Than than what we've than these two movies. Okay, like I think this is that's pretty much as good as it's going to get, and I think it was. They were both films together were really well done, mm-hmm. and then I'm beyond satisfied with them, really happy with them, um, and so I think that's like I, I feel like people might have issues, but I think that like those issues would be difficult to correct. Okay, like I yeah, you know if they'd gone different way or like if they would have been truer to the book in this part or whatever. I'm totally picking up what you're putting down. <laughs> really? okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I think I think. The, the, with, with as complicated and, uh, rich as this story is, it's hard to wrap it up. It's really hard to end things. You know, that was mm-hmm. a running theme throughout the movie is yeah. endings, which I thought was a fun, a fun feature, mm-hmm. um, of the story. Um, it's really hard to do. It's really hard to wrap this up and monster stories can be really tough. And a lot of the time they suck. And, uh, and I think, I don't think this one did. I think this one was great. I think it was, way better than sucking. Um, uh, and you know, I just, I think as far as like the, the conclusion to the, the, the ending that we got in the book and like the ending from the mini series and stuff like that, like it's, you know, I think this is a really good version mm-hmm. of, of the conclusion of the story, um, of it ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I really enjoyed it in all those aspects. Um, I was so glad that the um, there was a good. It was so satisfying to see the blending of the adult versus the childhood mm-hmm. thing, um, which is one of my favorite parts of the book. Um, and obviously, it's not there in the first movie, right? Because it can't be. Um, but that was that was like a thing of beauty to me. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Um, Did that. Hit you with like did that did that catch you off guard or surprise you like did you were you aware that there was going to be flashbacks throughout the movie I figured there would but I wasn't sure I th- mm-hmm. I thought I was worried that the kids like as their childhood story would be pretty much an ending to to an end already mm-hmm. and maybe they'd be a bit of an afterthought yeah something like that um I was really glad to see that that wasn't the case mm-hmm. they were much more involved than that um I don't think that's a spoiler or anything no um. The, but the, so the kids were the kids were present, and we got new mm-hmm. new stories from when they were kids yeah. that I thought were great. I was so happy to see that again mm-hmm. um, because that's probably my favorite thing about the book is how well Stephen King wrote those kids. Yeah, and oh yeah. I was more than happy to see more of their childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the more satisfying parts of the movie. Um, the casting was perfect yeah oh uh, yeah perfect um bill mm. bill hater mm. i haven't seen him better in mm. anything ever I, I mean he was just perfect for that role i agree absolutely perfect um james mcavoy is one of my favorite actors mm. so i was glad to see him as big bill um yeah I, I, and jessica chastain was great great mm. casting um and then a lot of the other actors i wasn't too familiar with mm. um I can't remember his name, but uh, Eddie Eddie Kasprak. Yeah, been, uh, been a lot of James Ranson. James Ranson. Ranson. Yeah, he's been in a lot of uh, HBO productions. Yeah, that I see him, and he's always great. So Ziggy and the Wire. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the cast was great. Um, and you know, it's uh, basically a three-hour movie. 
Mm-hmm. And man, I just I don't think it felt like it at all. Oh yeah, I agree. So yeah, pl- um, plenty to love about it, and I yeah. I really did. And people people have been kind. Of, I people have kind of complained, and they're well within the right to complain about the the uh, runtime of the movie. But I always feel like that's kind of a. I don't know if I, I don't want to say easy criticism, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's kind of a, not even like a cop out, but it just kind of feels like a, well, okay, this is a long movie. So it's, it, it was too long. Like, okay, well define too long. Like, is there something in the movie that could have been cut out that would have, that wouldn't have affected the story or anything, mm-hmm. anything. But I think that's just like, I don't like sitting in a theater for three hours. So that right. is why I don't like this 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 movie that much right um but i will say yeah do do you have any more thoughts well to that i to that idea i don't feel like it needed editing or anything Mm -hmm. like i feel like everything that was in the movie was necessary and was satisfying Mm -hmm. or it's it served it served the story um but there were there were some parts where i think you know it's like oh you gotta go the characters have to go do certain things and i'm like it's almost. It's not like they were they were dragging the movie out. I don't want to say that. Yeah. But um, it was a little uh, arduous. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit taxing. That, that was they... a big complaint that I read. Okay. Yeah. Which that type of complaint, I fair game. Yeah. 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 Um, but so. like just saying like, oh, it's a three hour movie. I don't want to sit through a three hour movie. It's like, okay, well, you know, fine. There are plenty of three hour movies. I'd be <laughs> more than happy to sit through. Yeah. Oh yeah. Personally. Um. But. Well, so so my safe. Ticket. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. So this was my second time seeing the movie, and I am likely going to see it a third time with Kirsten. Okay. Um. So I have a very interesting relationship with this movie. Um. <laughs> the first time I saw it was a Thursday night opening night and everything. I I watched it. I sat there and watched it and everything, uh, which is what you do at a movie theater. <laughs> and I, it was so. It was so awesome because I was sitting there and like I had like weirdly enough I had the whole row to myself. Um hmm. but like if you were to like see me in that seat, like I had just the biggest like shit eating grin, like stupid look on my face because I'm like <gasps> they're gonna have dinner, the fortune cookies, and like yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm catching like I'm like I'm absorbed in the story because I know the things that are gonna happen and like it was it was such a snobby book reader kind of yeah. reaction but like i was just i was with it i was so on board with it um and then in that first viewing i loved the first half of the movie oh well, even the majority of the movie i loved it uh the way that it incorporates the flashbacks uh i felt was a was a really um i don't want to say ingenious but like it was it was a very clever way to both pay homage to the book and the narrative structure of the book while also, you know, bringing us the, like bringing the fans of the first movie, um, up to speed with the, the things that they loved about the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some de-aging CGI apparently. Yeah. And some voice alteration, I think. I could tell on the vo- voices. Yeah. But the physical, like the, I, cu- I couldn't I, pick up on that at I all. I couldn't detect that at all. Yeah. I, what I did detect was, uh, as much as I think he's, he's a great actor and everything, like, what was super surprising was how deep, uh, 
um, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer's voice was as yeah. Eddie, yeah. as young Eddie. Like I was just like, whoa, whoa, right. puberty. Um, but anyway, so that first viewing, I left it satisfied. I can't go into specifics because of spoilers and even book spoilers. But what I'll say is that there are significant changes made from the book as there are with any adaptation. And I even said in a previous episode that I was prepared because this section of the story, this, their adult story is much more open to interpretation than any other portion of the book. Um, so I was prepared for that, but there were moments in the, like there were issues that I had with the movie that I like afterwards, I was like, okay, the, like it didn't connect with me in certain ways. Like there is a, without going into spoilers, but it's kind of common knowledge. Like there is a change to Richie's character. Um, there is an entire subplot added that I think a, Bill Hader did a phenomenal job with mm-hmm. B I think was a really great character like turn and something like in, in terms of addition to the plot and everything, I think it fit beautiful. Like I, I was on board with that character arc. Mm-hmm. My issue was there is none of that in part one. Like there, like if you go back and watch it chapter one, like there's nothing seeding that at all. And like, I had that disconnect and it wasn't until later that I read like a film critic tweeted out saying that, uh, keep in mind that, uh, it chapter one, when they made the first movie, they were using, um, they, they had Kerry Fukunaga's discarded script from when he was working on it for when he was like deep in pre-production for it. Uh, they had that to work off of. And now it chapter two is Andy Muschietti and his team and everything solely working on it. So, Mm -hmm. and like that kind of stuck with me as I went through like the week and a half or so before seeing it a second time, because there were moments in the, in the movie that stood out to me as, almost incongruous with the first movie and like little bits and pieces here and there. Like I won't go into spoilers or anything cause this is just broad, but, um, but like they, they stuck out to me and I even had like lengthy, uh, text conversations with, with Mike from obsessive viewer. Um, and as good as it gets band, check it out. Um, and he, like he had, like he had questions like, Oh, is this more clear in the book? And I was like, well, that's actually completely invented for the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, all that. And like, uh, like talking it out with him, like I got like, I got to a point where I was like, I don't think I liked this nearly that much uh, as much as I did coming out of the theater. And so I was like nervous going into this group screening. Cause I was like, am I going to just not like it? Um, I don't think it was ever going to get that deep, mm-hmm. but I, I was like, first of all, I knew that it wasn't as good as the first one that I mean, the first one is is amazing to me and i i didn't expect it to beat it or anything but like watching it that second time and being able to like know where it's going like obviously i knew ahead of time like where everything was going what changes were made what uh what things were omitted and everything i really enjoyed the second screening <laughs> a lot nice like there was like I, it didn't feel, it didn't feel three hours. It felt like it was a briskly paced thing. There is so much to this movie that like, it's not even so much that I was picking up on things that I missed on the first screening. It was just like, 
I'm just enveloped in the story the second time around and it's it's just things are clicking together in a way that while I was watching it the first time I was like well wait this correlates with this part in the book and like it's I don't know but kind of the end of my broad non-spoiler talk is that I came away from this liking it more the second time and I think it's a movie that's going to kind of grow on me I do still have some concerns some issues um, some legitimate issues and some very minor nitpicks uh, to, to, uh, pick at it. But, uh, overall, I really liked it. I thought it was really well done, um, in a good exclusion or good conclusion, uh, to the story that, um, I will say kind of, uh, I, even though I liked it and everything, those last, I think the last half hour is the most problematic for me. Okay. And, uh, and yeah, I can't wait to talk to you about it in more depth. Okay. Um, so non-spoilers, I think, are done. I okay. think. What did you think of the special effects and everything? Oh, they were great. Um, mm. I think they were even kind of an improvement from the first one. I agree. Not that they needed to be right. or anything, um, but well, just I feel like one, they, they really honed in on the second one. Yeah. You know? And the first one is such a... It has that feel of a small budget production. Yeah. And they yeah. clearly had more money this time around. Yeah. And uh, you could really see it. Like, they really went all out. Like, there are certain scenes that I thought were phenomenal. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Let's go ahead and go into spoilers for It Chapter 2. I'll go ahead and play a clip from the trailer here. So, if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, go ahead and shut down this podcast. Go see it and come back and listen to it. We made an oath. I swear. If it isn't dead. If it ever comes back. We'll come back to you. We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. We can't let it happen again. Okay, spoilers on for it, chapter two. Um, so, Tiny, where, should we go kind of chronologically through the story, or is there anything that you want to talk about first? No, that's good. Okay, so um, opening scene. Okay, yeah. so let's get let's kind of break it down into different uh, segments. So, um, obviously, the big thing that's getting a lot of attention online is the Adrian Mellon story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the book. Um, Adrian Mellon is a is a homosexual man who is beaten to death and thrown um, into a uh, canal mm-hmm. um, into into the canal and it was omitted from the miniseries uh, but was uh, here for this. So, how did you feel about the depiction of it? Like, did you have any? How did you feel about Adrian Mellon in in the in this movie? Uh, I I was a fan of it. Um, because I don't, uh, I think it was just a good, a good catalyst to bring, it, it, as far as serving the story, it's a good catalyst to bring all the characters back together. Um, and that's, that happens, you know, in the end when, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Hanlon shows up and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's curious. He's like, this sounds oddly suspicious. And, you know, he was right in his suspicions, but I also think it just, it worked well 
as a way to kick off the movie to bring us all back into the world of Pennywise. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it was a very, it was pretty subtle, I feel like, um, as far as bringing Pennywise back in. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just, there's, the town of Derry has this air of negativity mm-hmm. and frankly, like evil mm-hmm. in it. And, and it's, it's something we talked about in our commentary. Mm. Um, that the town is sort of, it's sort of been poisoned or it's almost like an extension of Pennywise. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he, he he's has, infected the he's infected the town. Yeah. And, and I feel like the wretched homophobia, mm-hmm. uh, distributed or, uh, on display in that opening scene that we all, you know, don't like to see anymore. Right. Um, that's, you know, that's not controversial anymore. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like to see anymore. We loved seeing it in <laughs> yeah. the past. Ten years ago. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but no, no, like, that's that's not acceptable anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and we all have, well, most people have strong feelings about that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was, uh, it was a bold choice, mm-hmm. but I think it was the right choice to make, you know, because I feel like those, those homophobic guys who perform this evil act are... Not that to say that they're innocent or that they're mm-hmm. um, just being influenced by Pennywise, but I feel like they're an extension of that, or they're they're in relation to that. And I, yeah, I just I thought it was a, I think it was a good part of the story in the book, and I feel like they captured it like pretty much perfectly for the movie. I I you know I agree. First of all, um, I think. Hang on one second. Uh, Fekus is game to record for Obsessive Viewer for a review of this tomorrow. If you want to record too, if you want. I am working tomorrow. Oh, that sucks. Oh, yeah. lame. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> Ooh, yuckers. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so this, this portion of the movie, the Adrian Millen portion, has gotten a lot of, um, flack online and everything. I thought it was a very, like you said, it's a very bold inclusion, a bold choice to include it in the movie. Um, and I think that it, cause it, it's an interesting, um, I don't want to say disparity between, uh, the book and the movie is that, you know, the book that happens in 1989, um, I think. And in the movie, it's obviously 20, 16 or 2017 in the movie. Mm -hmm. But, um, so it's like, I think that there is like the online community is like, well, okay, that it, I don't know if they're saying that it wouldn't happen today, but it's like, like you said, it's more of, okay, it's just like the influence of Pennywise, um, on the town itself has, has created this evil within like just people. And it's, I don't know. First of all, I will say that it was brutal, like yeah, it was. absolutely brutal, and I feel like you need that type of or that that amount of brutality to bring us back to okay, Pennywise is freaking crazy, mm-hmm. um, and it it I think it did demonstrate a good, uh, uh, it demonstrated that it was very um, uh, very clear in demonstrating that it was Pennywise's influence on the town, I think, um, but. A lot of people are kind of um, taking issue with it because they think, I don't know, they're, I've seen some people claim that it by having it in the movie, it's by itself is a homophobic thing to do, which I, in, 
I don't know. First of all, I need to research it more because obviously I, I, I'm a straight dude. I, I didn't grow up with like, you know, that experience or anything. So like, I don't know what that, uh, what like the LGBTQ community, like their perception of, of it. I, I can't claim to know what they, what they think of it or, or how they feel about it. But, I feel like just having it in there, I would say it's not like a homophobic thing to just have like a gay hate crime in a movie because it's not like it's celebrating it or anything. It's demonstrating it as a completely heinous, evil act. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. But I think that the way it was depicted was was well done. Um, The balloons were a nice touch. Um, Yeah, those were cool. That's something that in the book it's described as like thousands of balloons. And I was like, I don't know how they can really show that, but like they showed it. Like it was very vivid. They, they nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, following that same vein, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Richie, uh, mm-hmm. Tozier is gay in the movie. Yep. And that's, I, I thought that's where the controversy would be. Controversy oh, yeah. would be. Um, because I think, you know, it's, uh, when, when, uh, Richie is trying to find his, token and stuff mm-hmm. like that or his his talisman whatever i don't know um he goes to the park and he sees pennywise there and he keeps saying you know i know i know about your dirty little secret yeah and you know i thought people might be upset like well why does it have to be a dirty little secret and, oh yeah and people might be upset that he never came he never came out that's you know? that's an interesting right uh take on that i huh. thought that's where the controversy would be okay uh, no An- another and it's to go back to the adrian mellon thing another big issue that people have with it is that when king wrote that wrote that section of the book he drew inspiration from a real life hate crime that was very similar uh, in banger maine okay where uh, i think a, a gay couple were uh accosted and then one of them was beaten to death and thrown off of the canal into the water. Okay. Um, in the book, okay. So the real life, uh, the real life hate crime, the victim of that had asthma. And in the book, he doesn't have asthma. But in the movie, they gave him asthma. Okay. And I think that that's that's another thing that people are kind of like upset about, saying that like, well, that's kind of, it's a little, that's a little much to you know to. Depict this this particular hate crime, even though it's not like a depiction of that actual crime. Like having it, I think that there's a there's an argument to be made that it's in poor taste to have him have you know asthma like the real life hmm. person that was that was killed. Um, so I can understand that, but I think that it was a it was a strong, disturbing way to bring us into into back into dairy essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But yeah, but we can kind of jump around and talk about Richie. Um, yeah, yeah, let's, I guess we can go ahead. Just to follow that thread. Yeah, just to follow the thread. Yeah. I do think that it was, uh, that I, I do think that having Richie as a closeted homosexual and kind of carrying that with him, uh, I think that that was at least an, an attempt to balance the, the scales a little bit, like having, like opening the movie with a, with a hate crime, um, and, and, um, a hate crime where a gay man is murdered. I feel like there was, there was a, the, it may not have balanced it correctly, but I think that there was enough to satisfy my, um, 
my uh, concerns, I guess, to have like Richie go through that arc and everything. Um, how did you feel about that change to the character? I mean, I think it added a level of depth to his character without, mm-hmm. without question. That was, uh, it made his character even more interesting. I, I mm-hmm. think he, of the adults, he was the character that I latched onto the most. Nice. Um, um, I, he was just so Bill Hader was just so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it added a, a level of depth to his character, made him more interesting. And it, it, it made his bickering and banter with Eddie. It gave mm-hmm. a new level to that. Yes. You know, um, and how he's always joking about how he, he fucked his mom and stuff right. like that, you know? Um, it's like he's, he's closeted and I think it, he, he thinks of his homosexuality as a dirty secret. Mm-hmm. And so he's, I think that's a form of him repressing his, mm-hmm. you know, his, his sexuality by acting that way towards Eddie. Right. Uh, when in reality he's kind of in love. He's basically in love with him, I think. And see, that is where I, I guess I don't want to say take issue, but that's where I kind of, that's where the movie kind of lost me a little bit. Um, on paper, I don't, there's not a problem with it, really. Um, what I wish would have happened was that, because at the end of the movie, he carves R plus E, um, into the, into the, into the, uh, railing mm-hmm. thing. And, and obviously that's, you know, it's implying that he was in love with Eddie, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an interesting choice, but I think in the grand scheme of things, I think the movie would have worked a lot better if he was just repressing and, and, and has his closeted homosexuality to deal with. And then instead of writing R plus E, he writes R plus all the rest of the loser's initials in it. Mm. I think that would have been a much better way to kind of bring home the bond that they share. Yeah. Um, and I, it just kind of felt like, because, because incorporating, having that kind of unrequited love kind of, story arc for Richie and Eddie, it's like when, when we get kind of in the, in the big climax of the movie, when we get them kind of going off on their own and the thing with the puppy, which I thought was kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, like they, they're back and forth and they're, they're, um, it kind of felt like it was, it was meant to undercut the tension a little bit, like have some comic relief, but in, it just felt tonally off. Like it hmm. felt like it, it threw off the tone of the movie and it, it didn't feel like it felt, it didn't, it didn't feel as organic as I think that they were going for. Okay. Instead, to me, in a few scenes, it really felt like they were doing some, some like Abbott and Costello shtick hmm. in the midst of like this super intense, like, final battle of wills with a with pennywise <laughs> but i was just like i like i it, it kind of threw me off it kind of discombobulated me a little bit but okay. we'll talk more about the climax later but um but yeah i i think that the actual um storyline uh, of richie's homosexuality was was a nice touch okay and as i alluded to in the non-spoiler i just wish that it was seated in the first movie yeah like, yeah because there that is there's nothing nothing there mm-hmm. in the first movie and i just wish that there was more connectivity there he was also 11 yeah that's it may, true may not have known you know but we did get the scene where he's at the arcade which takes place after the fight yeah so that same summer so like 
I, that's where I kind of felt like it was just a little. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I also think it as a um, a symptom or a, um, another aspect of it that I appreciated was I think it gave a little bit more a little bit more weight to Eddie's death. Oh yeah. I think that was. Um, which wasn't a surprise to me, right? Um, but I, I think it, it for people who hadn't read the book, mm-hmm. or um, people who weren't as connected to Eddie, I guess as a character, mm-hmm. I think I think it just gave a little bit more weight to his death. Yeah, I can um, I can agree with you there, or at least another layer, right? You know, um, so yeah, I actually I, I appreciated that part, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't feel like. Like an agenda heavy thing, like oh, oh well, it's yeah. 2019, we gotta have a gay character. Like it yeah. didn't, it didn't feel that way. I, I didn't get any of that, yeah, because it was so subtle, right? And then such an ancillary part of his character. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was, I think it was well done. But yeah, way, so yeah, yep. So let's let's kind of go back and talk about the reunion. Um, mm-hmm. Jade of the Orient, the Chinese food dinner. Yeah. Um, when I re-listened to the book over the summer um that scene in the book i was just like i was so ready for it to happen in the movie i was so pumped um and oh i wanted to talk about something else but we'll circle back but um i was so i like i i felt like it was there's been some kind of complaints about the cgi i didn't think the cgi was bad neither um and i think that that scene delivered really well um just it was it was really gross and intense and mm-hmm. i think the design of the creatures that come out of the fortune cookies was really good yeah um but more importantly the the scene just of them having dinner shooting drinks and shooting the shit and and catching up and everything was like i was like that was one of the moments where i had that stupid grin on my face i was like this these are the losers. These are, these yeah. are my losers. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I was so wrapped up in it. And like, I was like, the chemistry is there. Like I, I've said before, I think on the podcast that I was concerned going into, I think I said in the, in the commentary, I was concerned going into it chapter two because they're adults now. And I think the charm of the first movie is that the kids had such a strong bond and like there was, it was such a hurdle for them to, it w- it was going to be such a hurdle for them to have new actors connect the same way that the kids did in the previous movie. And I think that they were freaking on fire. Great chemistry um, right off the bat. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in like little thing like Bill Hader playing into the Richie Tozer trash mouth stuff. Yeah. Like him, uh, <laughs> him saying like, yeah, you, you know, I got, I got married. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Me and Eddie's mom are very happy together. <laughs> um, oh my God. In the job, of the hut. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That was really that, great. that was, that was great. <laughs> um, yeah. So did you have any thoughts on, on that sequence and the fortune cookies? Um, just, just great. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, it was very satisfying. Um, yeah, loved it. And I think, um, one thing that, and this is overall about the character throughout the whole movie, but Mike seems that this version of Mike seemed kind of, he was just kind of crazy. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care for. Yeah, Mike in this movie, and I hate because he's he's such a strong character in the book. Right, right. Um, 
He's so important, but yeah, he was he was a little too off the wall. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think it was a bit of a disservice to the character. Mm-hmm. Not the uh, actor. I I don't remember his name. Um, Isaiah Mustafa. Uh, Isaiah Mustafa. Yeah, Isaiah Mustafa, old spice yeah. guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, he was good. He did. He was fine. Mm-hmm. He he did. He did a good job. I just think it was what the the direction they chose to take the character. Yeah, was a little weird, and it really started to show at that. Um, that dinner. Oh, you think so? I, that, that's when it started. That's when it started. I mean, yeah. well, it's kind of yeah. Some, some of the very early on, early on in the movie, and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then um, back at the library with Bill, like we'll talk about that. But yeah, it just he felt like a crazed, obsessed person, which. I can respect what they were going for because yes. he's the one that stayed in the town. He's like he's been adjacent to this evil presence that's been slumbering and still infecting the town for 27 years. Yeah. But it's I feel like he was in in the book, he was kind of the he he was keeping the lighthouse. Like that's what his yeah. job was and like he was he was bringing them together and in the book he like in the book in the in the dinner scene um, we're veering into book spoilers. Um, he knows about Stanley. And mm-hmm. so he's sitting there and like, they're all having a great time and everything. And he's like, he has this secret, but I feel like that, that change in the movie didn't really work for me because, and granted you can't really show like how, like you can't really show the inner monologue of Mike when he's, right. when he's doing that. But like, he's just a surprise. And I think that, that was an effective, like scare with the fortune cookie, like, like fortunes mm-hmm. like i thought that was clever and, and cool but i just feel like that just is a disservice to mike as a character like they just yeah. kind of made him a default crazy character who's kind of um um kind of a dick yeah kind of a dick i yeah. didn't want to say nefarious but like he's conniving against the group and yeah it's like like there's a moment at the climax which we'll eventually get to but like where it's just like okay this is this is too much. Like yeah. it's too far from, like it's it's just too far away from like the losers club. Like it just yeah. it just felt wrong. They tried to do something and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I again, like you said, I respect them for trying to do that, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but it didn't work. And then they took it way too far. At yep. the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what did you think about it? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say like I think the mic from the book mm-hmm. and the mic in the miniseries from the nineties mm-hmm. was more of like a damaged war veteran kind of character, yeah. which I think was a better approach. Mm-hmm. And I think it worked. I actually, I think I prefer the Mike from the miniseries and, yeah. and from the book. Like I think that worked better and I liked mm-hmm. that performance better. Uh, but, but it, this, they just tried something that didn't work and it was yeah. unfortunate. And after the dinner, after the uh, dinner scene, like there's a, like they, they kind of break up. Um, yeah. They're all like, all right, let's get the fuck out of here. And mm-hmm. like, that's not really what happens in the book. Like the book is pretty like they're, they're in it and like, that's fine. But it also at times felt, cause there's like two times where they're like, all right, we're getting the fuck out of here. Let's leave. Mm-hmm. It just felt a little bit like a contrivance um, for me. And like when they go back to the hotel or to the, to the library and freaking Mike drugs bill. Yeah. Like I had such a, <laughs> I had such a, uh, confused kind of reaction to that because a it's it's essentially the smoke hole scene from the book right um and i'm like i love that they did that like i'm i love the visual of that seeing the seeing it crash down or or flying through the sky yeah like the visuals there were were astounding Mm -hmm. but i'm also like mike hanlon just 
drugged Bill yeah. so that he can convince the rest of the losers to come back. And like, I'm just like, I, I it didn't connect for me as, on a character level. Um, I love James McAvoy's performance in that scene though. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So w- when they do kind of band back together, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, when they're back at the dairy house, the, the inn, there's something interesting that happens that I'm like 99% sure is not in the book. Um, it's where, Bev tells them that she's had visions of all their deaths and that... Yeah, that wasn't in the book, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, I think I'd remember that. Yeah. And I, I I like it as a plot device because the whole thing is that, like, the kind of... It lays out that, okay, well, if you got... If, if the losers don't fight it, then within 20 years, they're all going to die horrible deaths. Right. Um, so like there's like, it's like time is running out. Like it's not, you know, their, their lives are on the line there. And it's a, it's a plot mechanic for like, it's a movie plot thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't necessary. You don't think so? I really don't. Okay. Cause the, 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 the entire plot is contingent on how close these people are. Mm-hmm. And that is the core of the story. That's what mm-hmm. people love about this book and about this story. That's all you need to keep them together and keep them there. And in that, in when you frame it like that, I agree. Like, I think they didn't need to have the group wanting to leave. They didn't need to in, in, in having that making the decision to have the group like break apart after the dinner is like, okay, they needed, they needed something to keep them together. But you're right. The heart of the story is the, the group, the togetherness. And it just, it felt like the movie was, was missing that for a lot of the movie. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help that after, like after that scene, well, we get, um, uh, Bill comes back and he explains to them the ritual of Chewed, um, which I thought was a nice, like, I'm glad that they incorporated that, although they changed it considerably, but they we'll did. get to that. Yeah. Um, but the, when they go back to the clubhouse and everything, so this is okay. Okay. Let's, let's, let's talk about the flashbacks. So they go mm-hmm. to the clubhouse. That's when they decide, okay, we need to go off. We need to get our tokens, which we'll talk about that too. Yeah. Um, but this is where it in- introduces the flashbacks. And I thought this was so clever of them because the flashbacks in this movie, it's because they've they've decided that they need to each go to a specific uh their own private like thing in town to have a token for the ritual um which talk about plot contrivance for movies yeah um but they need they need that and they needed to remember parts of parts of it and they're like well we already remember everything and they're like no cuz we weren't all together like the idea of them having that gap that we as viewers of the movies also share because we didn't see like anything that they did independently after their, their fight. I just thought that was a really interesting way to pay tribute to the book, the book's narrative structure. Um, okay. Yeah. How did you feel about that whole thing? Both the flashbacks and the token thing. I love, again, I love the flashbacks because I, mm-hmm. I feel like we fell in love with those kids in the first movie mm-hmm. and I didn't want them as an afterthought yeah. in this. And so it was a good way to incorporate them. I, I love the flashbacks. Um, also really touching. Um, mm-hmm. just, 
I, I mean, I, I cried several times yeah. <laughs> during this movie, and so a lot of it was the flashback stuff and just how mm. uh, how good of friends they are. Um, yeah. So it was it was incredibly satisfying in that regard. But I feel like the all of them as adults having to go find their tokens. I was like, okay, I'm okay. Mm. All right, I, I can I can get on board with that. I think it's a little like you said, it's a contrivance. It's, yeah, it's a convenience. It, <laughs> um, yeah, it really reminded me of Ready Player One. Yeah. Like, oh, we have three keys or three eggs we need to get. Yeah. Um, and that's, and it felt like a video game side quest. Yeah. Like it it did. It totally did. Because my memory of the book is that they all go their separate ways because they need to remember because they're still, their memories are still coming back and they need to remember what they need to do and everything. So that's, that's the impetus of them going their separate ways. Okay. Is for them to, remember things and like it's a little it's a little flimsy in the book because it's like like eddie says in the movie like why the fuck would you guys separate like like as a risk assessment like it's you need to stay together Mm -hmm. but i think that by making it them having to go on a scavenger hunt for things from their past uh so that they can burn it like they're a jaded ex-girlfriend in the 90s (laughs) um it it felt like it just again cheapened that connection that the characters share with not only each other but that connection that they share with Derry, um, which we did get plenty of that in their in, in their individual things, but it was also like I don't know I feel like the um, the idea of it was um, maybe part of it was like oh what is the to- I don't think. I don't know. I don't know if there was ever really a time where it, the movie w- wanted us to think like, oh, what's their token or whatever. Yeah, right. But it was also like, I don't care what the token is. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I actually had more of an issue with with the flashbacks of them when they after they had their kind of fight in the first movie and they kind of break apart into their own things and they have they have their own little separate experiences with Pennywise again. Mm-hmm. I actually had more of a problem with that. Really? Because I thought it was because because it, it was. I just didn't think it was all that necessary. Mm-hmm. I guess I I don't know. It seemed like it was dragging it out even more. Yeah. Like if you, I understand what you're going for now, like mm-hmm. with the whole finding the token things. I had my issue too. I didn't. I thought it was a little goofy. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's at least just do that and get through it, and we yeah. can at least have some more time with these characters and develop them more as adults. So I'm I'm on board with it. That's okay. But then it's like, that I I don't know. I loved seeing them as kids again, but it's yeah. just like, I it it's it felt like they were sort of drawing the movie out at that point. Yeah, and it's I don't. Yeah, I I agree. And it's it's kind of it's kind of tricky because I liked most of those set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were visually like well executed and everything, but you're right. There is a redundancy to it. Like we watched a whole movie of them being terrorized by the clown. Right. Like, right. I mean, but, but then I don't know if there was really an organic way to have as much screen time for the kids. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. But I did really like Richie's and the Paul Bunyan statue. Mm-hmm. Cause that's from the book. And I'm, I'm so glad that they did it. Cause it's such a, freaking nutso thing to do totally yeah um but it did get kind of i i've heard complaints that it kind of got redundant with them each 
each one going to have a different encounter and everything. But I don't think that it, it didn't feel like it was redundant to me. Like it felt like it was varied enough that like the Bev scene in the apartment was, was chilling and definitely like really creepy. And it was all well done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um, but I can see it, it, that being the point that kind of drags it out a little bit. I didn't, I didn't hate any of it or anything like that, but I Mm -hmm. just, it did feel a bit, a, a little bit too, um, like it just it felt a little unnecessary. Yeah. And the and honestly that first viewing I was at a couple parts I had kind of forgotten that it was all taking place like after the fight in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So like when Bill is like yelling at the sewer I'm like is this Wait, is this is is this before when is, when is this? Is this before all of this stuff happens? Mm-hmm. Like after Georgie but before everything else or is this after everything? Um so I was a little confused there but Yeah. Um yeah. Um let's see. Oh, let's let's backtrack just a little bit. Like we don't need to talk that much about it because the movie's very brief about it, but uh the phone calls um to the losers to bring them back. Yeah. Uh first up, Bill. Um I really <laughs> I first of all I appreciated that that he was at the WB studios. I thought that was <laughs> kind of just like okay, they easy to shoot that. Right. Um did you recognize the director? Was that um I I did I recognize about it, I don't know who it is. I'll put it down. Yeah, um and I want to double check to make sure. Uh, it wasn't Wes Craven, was it? No, Wes Craven died several years oh, ago. Did he? Okay, no. Yeah. Um, um so I hope it wasn't Wes Craven. <laughs> uh Peter Bogdanovich. Okay. Um yeah, so uh he directed one of my personal favorite movies, The Last Picture Show. Oh, okay. Yep. But um I thought that was cool. So, um, and we're dipping, I'm going to dip into the book changes and everything, but, uh, I'll, I'll save that for the next segment. But, um, let's see. So uh, let's talk about Bill and his, uh, hang on. No, let's talk about the phone call. So we'll go back to Bill. I thought that was a nice touch and everything. There's a moment after each one is called where it goes to Stanley as the last call, but it's, you see, like he calls Ben and then the camera is like showing Ben from the, from the outside. And then it pans up to the stars and it zooms in and the stars transform into the puzzle pieces Uh that Stanley's putting together. I thought that was just, that flourish was beautiful. Yeah. Cool transition. Um, yeah. And there's some really great, um, kind of camera work and everything in the movie as well. And, and even in the climax, like with the bathroom stall and the, the grave and the way it kind of messes with the, uh, kind of perspective and everything. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, let's see. So Stanley kills himself. Um, cool. Um, <laughs> expected, but, um, Ben's uh, another cameo. Um, Ben's phone call. Um, I don't know if you would have recognized him, but did you recognize who the guy was that the that the movie was trying to convince us was Ben at first? No, I didn't. I didn't notice who it was. He was apparent. I didn't recognize this either. I looked it up, or I found out later. He was apparently the guy who played the kid Ben in the miniseries. Oh, okay. So I thought that was kind of a cool touch. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Another kind of nitpick that I have with it is Bev's phone call. 
So Bev's phone call and her um, altercation with her husband is it's intense. It's brutal. Yeah, like it is. It is. It's brutal in the book too. It, it really is. Yeah. My issue with the movie is that it's it's too br- all of it is too brief. Like the, I feel like this is the moment. Like in the phone calls and everything, they were just like, okay, we need to hurry up and get everything into place because we've got a lot of movie left to tell. Yeah. Um. And like I felt that it was rushed. Um. So like when it comes to the point where, like she's like talking to her husband and then he turns and he's he's fighting her and beating her and everything and she's she's fighting back. Like it all happens in the span of maybe a minute and a half. I would I, is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um. I did really like her just crushing his head with the phone. Um, which I thought was a nice kind of mirror to what she did to her dad in, in the first movie. Yeah. Which I'll talk about Eddie's death later, but, um, when Eddie dies at the end of the movie, I, I kind of had some qualms with how that was done. But anyway, um, what do you think of the setup of getting all the losers back? Uh, it was all pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it, they didn't drag it out too much. Um, yeah, I, it, it didn't really, uh, sit with i didn't really sit with that very long or th- put much thought into it but okay. um i thought it was all fine I, I didn't think there was any reason to dwell on it or make yeah. it any more extensive i i mean i, I don't disagree with you about what you said about right. uh bev's altercation and mm. assault from her husband yeah um but i just feel like that aspect of her character wasn't entirely necessary to have in the movie um, sure. I, it, it, it's a part in the book. It haunts her throughout mm-hmm. for a while. And yeah. she's like on the run from him and he's pursuing right. her. Yeah. And it's really compelling and really good in the book. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know. You have to make cuts somewhere. Yeah. When you adapt a book for and a I, movie. And I'm so glad they cut, essentially cut him and Audra, uh, yeah. Bill's wife. I'm so glad they cut that out. Yeah. Um, Even in the book, I wasn't that thrilled with. Audra. Yeah, me I, just, I just didn't care. Yeah, she's so. a damsel. She's yeah, she is just a damsel, right? Um, and it just it wasn't effective. Yeah. Um, but I uh oh Eddie's <laughs> Eddie and Richie's phone calls. So mm-hmm. I liked first of all James Ranson is amazing. Yeah. I thought um I, that moment where he's talking to his wife. And she's screaming at him about just nonsense stuff. It, like, that's exactly what I wanted out of, like, the depiction of, of Eddie and his wife in yeah. the movie. Was it the same actress? I think so. I think it was, too. I think so, which I think yeah. is just brilliant. Yeah, that was great. Um, but then the moment that, like, it's, it's played for a laugh, but it's also like, man, that's messed up, is that when he hangs up the phone and then she immediately calls back to say like you didn't say love you yeah but then he gets the call from Derry and then he's like love you mommy it's just like it's so like it's it's played for a laugh but man it just it shows so much of just how just messed up that dynamic is there's some subtext there yeah yeah for sure um but yeah i i I loved that and then richie bombing on stage as a stand-up comic i thought was nice yeah um which yeah, I'll I'll save that for the book spoiler stuff. Okay. But um so yeah, so they have their flashbacks, they they get their tokens, um they're ready to play. <laughs> um so then we get um and forgive me if I'm skipping stuff or if I'm missing things, but um 
Bill going to the carnival to save the kid who he has a stake like with like that's a a risk for him or whatever he um has that bond with the kid which is kind of a in his eyes it's like a Georgie you know yeah substitute right um which I thought was fine mm-hmm. but I I kind of <clears throat> it wasn't until we got the the basement scene that it really kind of came together where he's still grappling with his grief over Georgie because it's revealed that he's, that he was faking it and he just didn't want to play with Georgie, which I, I can't remember if that's in the book or not, but I can't remember either. Yeah. But, um, but I, I just thought that that was a really interesting kind of uh character turn for him. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the fun house scene and the kid in Pennywise? I think, uh, the fact that it happened that he was he went to the carnival to save the kid mm-hmm. it was interesting from a character standpoint. Yeah. Um and I didn't have a huge problem with it, but it again it felt like more of a digression and just yeah. kind of like we don't I don't need this yeah. really. The story doesn't need this necessarily. I th- it was a good character development, but mm-hmm. um I I don't think it was entirely necessary. Having yeah. said that, the scene in the fun house was in the mirror house of mirrors was really cool. Yeah. I think my favorite, like sadistic twisted thing that Pennywise did throughout the whole movie was when he was licking the glass. That was, that was unsettling. Like it wasn't necessarily scary. It right. was just like, that's just fucked up. Yeah. And just, yep. I love that. Cause that's how fucked up Pennywise is and yep. crazy. Um, so I, from that perspective, I loved it mm-hmm. and it was, it was totally something that he was doing. He did that to evoke fear. Yeah. Like, this is going to be a delicious meal I'm mm-hmm. about to eat. Like, he was totally taunting Bill, and that's in his nature to yeah. do so. And I thought that was a really, just a nice touch all around. So I, I, I really dug that, mm-hmm. that scene. And, and I think one of the cooler parts about it was the fact that Bill was like crazy. Yeah. In the scene. And like the kid thought he was crazy and scary that was a nice touch that was important and and i think it it sort of influenced him by the end of the movie where he sort of lets go of his guilt Mm -hmm. i thought that was it it did play in at the end there yeah and and i thought it was sort of i don't want to use the word integral but it was uh it led into that it Mm -hmm. it it followed that thread yeah and that's something that I talked about with with Mike and our and my texting with him is that he he thought because I was I was on board with that kind of characterization and that character arc for Bill, mm-hmm. but he said like, well, sure, but isn't that just basically his arc in the first movie, like getting over the death of his brother? Yeah, um, I'm like, yeah, that's that's true, but here we have a a stand-in for Georgie that's a like a personification of his grief, and he it's revealed that he's been carrying the weight of of him not really being sick and could have been like that guilt kind of carries with him. He never really got over it. Yeah, which I was fine with. My issue with that though is that. The kid at the carnival, slash the skateboard kid, and the girl with the uh, birthmark on her face. Yeah. Those two, those two like subplots or sub characters, whatever you want to call them, felt. <sighs> okay, I'll, I'll split them up. So the kid in the fun house felt like a kind of contrivance to get Bill to go again, not go against the losers, but go off on his own, which 
isn't needed because, as you said earlier, the heart of this story is the losers banding together, Mm -hmm. the losers being together and the bond that they share. To have this kind of contrived instance where like, okay, the leader of the, of the losers is going to go try to protect this kid, um, on his own and then he's going to go kill Pennywise himself. It's like, I don't need that. I, I don't yeah. need, and I don't believe that of Bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I just really had an issue with that. Also, I felt like the way that the death of the kid is done, um, gruesome, like mm-hmm. insanely gruesome. And I, I was all for that, but there was a moment for a while after that where I was like, is is that kid really dead like or was that like an apparition or like a like a a thing of pennywise just fucking with bill Mm -hmm. like it was it was a little bit convoluted to me because like that character only exists as a fan of richie tozer yeah and a fan of skateboards and and hearing voices in his brain um there's not much substance to it when the stakes of of it are kind of confined to the losers and i guess the town as a whole, but I don't know. We'll get to that too. But, um, but I want to circle back and go to the girl under the bleachers. Yeah. That, and I, I mentioned this to Mike in our text messages that felt like it was, it was effective as a scare and as a, as a set piece, mm-hmm. but it really, really felt both inconsequential to anything else in the movie. Yeah. As well as, like, it felt so inconsequential that it, it came across, and I have no, like, this is just complete conjecture on my part, but it feels like they were making the movie and then the studio's like, well, okay, well, we need another Pennywise killing yeah. something thing. Let's do the Georgie thing again. Just, just throw that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it felt just like fan service, I guess, but really? fan service for the first movie, I guess. Um, hmm. it just, it, it didn't, it didn't have an effect on me aside from, oh, wow, she just got killed. Yeah. Um, I I don't disagree with you at all. Okay. But. Good, I, because then you'd be fired. <laughs> I really liked it because mm-hmm. um, that little girl, she was in the opening scene with Adrian Mellon. Yeah. And he gave her the doll and stuff, and she still had the doll at the bleachers. Yeah. And the reason why I liked it is because I feel like in that moment, Adrian Mellon made her happy and she was like a happy child mm-hmm. and Pennywise ain't having none of that. Right. He, kids can't be happy in dairy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he was like, I got to take care of this right now, huh. which that was all just s- something that may not have even been there that mm-hmm. I picked up on or something I just made up in my head. But huh. that's, that's how I, that's how I like, that's how I got there. I guess. That's how I rationalized it. And that's that's fair. And I also loved it because uh, Bill Skarsgård was just fucking amazing. He was he was great when he's trying to lure the kid. It's yeah. just so goddamn good. Like and it's, it, and I I would say I wouldn't when he fake cries and shit. I yes. was like, god damn, he is just diabolical. And like, I think it's hard to say this and mean it. Um, but like, I would say it's it's even more. I, I don't want to say it's more chilling or more disturbing than Georgie's death in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel such a hesitance to say that just because, I mean, Georgie's death is, is iconic, both in the book and that first movie is amazing for yeah. it. But 
I would think, I would say that it, it puts another layer to Pennywise's just disturbing nature. Um, in the fact that he is, he's literally preying on this girl's vulnerability mm-hmm. and like, like the, the blemish on her face, like she, like he is connecting with her that way and killing her because like drawing her in with that, that makes it more disturbing. But again, it just felt inconsequential total. Like I didn't even notice that she was in that first scene until the second viewing. Oh really? Like I'd okay. forgotten about it in the first, in the first viewing. Okay. Um, but I don't know. It just, it just, it really felt like a studio note to me. Yeah, um, that's fair. Uh, yeah. I, like I said, I actually think you're right. Mm. Um, but another thing, my, actually my biggest issue with that scene is that he doesn't scare her. He just eats her. Oh yeah, that's like, true. Cause that's, that's such a part of, that's a part of the character of Pennywise mm-hmm. is that he sustains his, uh, himself. He achieves sustenance through fear. Like he feeds on fear and he didn't even scare her. He just, right. he ate her. And I was like, that's okay. That doesn't make a lot of sense. It was cool. Yeah. Looked, looked really cool. Mm-hmm. It was effective visually and all that, but it just, it, but I mean, dude's it, been asleep for 27 years. Yeah. He's got to get his grub on. <laughs> um, but see, but he really didn't get his grub did, on. That's true. He, he, was, he didn't, fear. didn't even yeah. scare her. So, Oof. He lured her in. And, like, yeah. Georgie was different because he bit his arm off. Yeah. And then he was alive. That's true. And then he drug yeah. him down into the sewers. And ha- who knows how long mm. he was alive and tortured by right. it oh, to God. feed on his fear. But this little Jeez, girl. I he, didn't even consider that, really. Right. He just Jesus. bit her head off and she's dead. Like, yeah. Like, that's, uh, that's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. What, semantics. but Right. Um, so I want to talk about Henry Bowers and the final confrontation at the end. But before I do that... Stephen King's cameo. Yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to read the thing you sent me. Oh, 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 good, good. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> so okay, Stephen King has a cameo in the movie as the proprietor of the Secondhand Rose um, uh, antique shop or thrift shop or whatever it's called, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, so, a couple things about that. First, um, I like that it's incorporated in the movie. What I don't like is that, again, it, it kind of feels like the movie was a little bit tonally off or like the left hand wasn't talking to the right hand in some cases because there's a whole big to do about, oh, he has silver and silver's his bike. And like he even has that scene, that line at the end of the scene says like it's fast enough to beat the devil. <laughs> um, but we don't like, and then like I, I mean, I got chills when he's when he's riding the bike and he says, "I owe silver away." Yeah, like that was great. But like that first viewing, I was expecting it to pay off at the end too and be like the end, the end of the book, right? Um, and I just felt like, and that's another kind of inconsistency I feel with the first movie is like we get like a shot of silver in the first movie, but like there's not that importance laid to it. Yeah. Um, and and it's kind of like. The second movie, like, it's like it's picking up the importance of it, but it's not established in the first movie. It's just established in the book. But anyway, then uh, the whole running gag of Bill Dembro not being able to end his books properly, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was cute at the beginning. <laughs> and by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, okay, okay, let's settle down, guys. <laughs> um, and it also made me concerned because I was like, they're 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 setting this up like we're not getting the the ending from the book here. Yeah. Not that I I knew that it was a fat chance we would get the book ending here, but I was just like, okay, they're they're setting it up and everything. But I wish that like 
I wish that it that the Stephen King cameo would have been the only instance where someone's like, yeah, I don't like the endings of your books. I, yeah. I would have preferred it to be like that because that is, it's obviously such a tongue in cheek thing about criticisms about Stephen King's endings. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but what did you think of the Stephen King cameo? Uh, I, I thought it was fun and satisfying mm-hmm. and yeah, I think it would have been so much better if that was the only reference to the endings. Yeah. If he, he made that line, the line that he made, that would mm-hmm. have been even more satisfying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't. Uh, it was good. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't. I don't uh, have a lot of opinions on it, really. I okay. mean, I just don't have a lot to say about it. But yeah, I was. I was glad to yeah. see him in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, couple things, and I'll link to that article in the show notes. But um, couple things about it. One, Andy Muschietti had to convince him to do the cameo. Okay. Uh, because he t- like Stephen King told him like I'm bad luck. I'm I'm a I'm cursed. But like the cam- <laughs> the movies that I'm in uh, that I have a cameo in fail. Yeah. Um so he's like, "Ah, don't worry about it." Um so they brought him in and oh, man, okay. First first of all, he's he's drinking a a cup which I was really hoping it would have been like like a Nazola from Dark Tower. Yeah. But it's actually like something for like a soccer or, or football team that Andy Muschietti is a fan of, so it's not really King Cannon. Mm-hmm. But there it's it breaks my heart to say it because I wanted it to be real. Like I wanted it to really happen. But the original idea for that cameo was to have Bill Denbro, adult Bill Denbro, go into it, do it as it is and everything, uh with Stephen King and everything, but then have a scene where young Bill Denbro goes in and it's Joe Hill as the uh. young one, which that would have been so cool. Like, God, that would have been so great. That would have been funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, ah, and it's such a bummer, but they had to, they, I, they didn't film it or anything. They, they just, they couldn't incorporate it into, they couldn't justify it, I guess, for time's sake, I guess. Yeah. But, okay. Man, it would have been so cool. That would have been funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so cool cameo and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, let's talk about Henry Bowers. Yeah. 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 I feel like he, his role in the movie was toned down a little bit Mm -hmm. compared to the book. Yeah. Um, I feel like not necessarily what that he's one of my least favorite parts of Mm -hmm. the book, but he, um, I feel like we spend a little too much time with him in the book. Yeah. Um, and so his, he was toned down a lot more in the movie. He, Mm -hmm. we we weren't sitting with him so much and I actually appreciated that. How'd you feel about his performance? Um, he was a little over the top. I thought so too. (laughs) Um, but that actor looks so much like the kid. He does. Yeah. That was great casting. I thought Mm -hmm. that was really good actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a little over the top and, um, Thankfully, there wasn't a ton of him, so yeah, so it, it didn't and, like drag down the movie. But and like it's it's another case of the tone of the movie not really matching up really for me. Yeah, like he's playing like insane to the nth degree, yeah. and like it tracks because he's been in Juniper Hill, although they don't say Juniper Hill, but they have the his um his outfit is the it says J H mm-hmm. um. PH, so Juniper Hill Psychiatric Hospital. But anyway, um, he is over the top and everything, but it's like, I feel like that is warranted, but it's also, it's incongruous to the tone of the movie, because Pennywise is also kind of, 
goofy in a way, but menacing. And like, it's a clash there between those two tones. Like in the first movie, like Henry Bowers is like the mortal villain to the losers. And Mm -hmm. eventually he becomes like a deadly threat to them, but he's not crazy in the way that he is in part two. And it just felt just too much. Yeah. He was too much. Yeah. Um, the scene with Eddie in the bathroom in him was, was cool, but really brief. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I, I think the way that Eddie is played after like he had, he's been knifed in the face mm-hmm. and takes a knife out and stabs a guy. Like it feels like a little Hollywoody. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. How'd you feel about that altercation? I, yeah, I didn't really think about it that much. Okay. Frankly. Sure. Um, yeah. I think it was a good development for his, his, his characters essentially building courage throughout the movie mm-hmm. and sure at the climax that comes into play. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so the, one of my biggest gripes aside from the climax is, uh, the, uh, the library, like Mike in general is just not like, I don't even really think he has like a flashback scene at all. Really? Um, how does he not? No. Dang. Like his token is just something from whatever. It was the rock. Yeah. Yeah. That hit, yeah. The rock. And yeah. like, it's like, okay, that's, we saw weird. that already. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, his altercation with Henry in the library was my one of my biggest disappointments because it is so brutal in the in the book and like it's it's so crazy but like it's so brief and so just like uh, streamlined inconsequential yeah and inconsequential was did Mike even go down into the sewers in the end of the book? No, because the, he was like recovering. Yeah, he yeah. was in the hospital. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of the great things about the book is that, you know, you have this, like the, the group is fractured yeah, in that way. Right. Um, but how'd you feel about the library fight? Uh, again, it was, it was very just inconsequential mm-hmm. and just kind of. Uh, perfunctory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, perfect. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was, not really all that necessary. Yeah. Um, or it could have been done to better effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about the final confrontation with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to Nebolt, they go down back into the sewers and everything. They find his lair. They go down further. Um, they have, like, they have the whole, oh, I wanted to point out this, but they have, they have their own little, like, battle in the house, um, on the way down. Um, I loved Stan in the refrigerator, mm-hmm. um, because it felt like a very cool nod to the book and the miniseries, mm-hmm. um, in a different context though. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, when he sprouted spider legs, I want to kind of question you. Like, okay. did you associate that with something? Oh, the thing right off the bat. Okay. Yeah. John okay. Carpenter's a thing. Oh yeah. Nice. Immediately. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I figured you would. I didn't because I haven't seen the thing in a very long time. Okay. But, um, I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I loved it. Okay. But I, I kept trying to make connections to the Dark Tower. Like, is this supposed to be a nod to Mordred? Uh, um, okay. but that, that's a stretch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, when they get to its lair and they do the ritual of Chewed, um, Again, like it just felt 
just a disservice to Mike because it's like, oh, I lied. It was supposed to be a sacrifice. Everyone's supposed to die. Right. But I thought that we would be safe because we're together. Um, and like that just felt just so random to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have their fight and everything. Um, what do you think of Pennywise's true form, quote unquote? Um, well, I, I was fine with it because, um, we never got to see his true form uh-huh. because the ritual didn't work. Right. Um, okay. and so I was, I was glad because I feel like almost any time you have at the end of the day, Pennywise, it is a monster. Yeah. It's a monster. Mm-hmm. And monsters rarely, rarely work. Yeah. Usually there's something that's cartoonish or like, oh, that's kind of crazy, but not really scary. Sure. Or like it's, it's, over the top or it's mm-hmm. like so bad it's laughable even yeah. with modern cgi mm-hmm. i mean name name a really good monster ever i mean frankenstein i'm looking at your classic monster oh, yeah. your universal's classic monsters like yeah some of those are good but like those are those are staples mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like name it like a a non-staple monster that was really good there's not many yeah alien Alien, yeah. It's a Al- great monster. The perfect organism. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a handful. Yeah. And I feel like if you're trying to make an original, like, okay, what can we do? Let's give it 10 legs instead of six. Or like, sure. you know, like, let's make it have scales. Like, what? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Like, you have to be a ridiculously creative person to come sure. up with an original monster. And I think anything they could have could have just put on screen just wouldn't have worked like the miniseries yeah that was that was bad. bad it was bad um, um and i think they would have done better than that but mm-hmm. I, th- I don't think it would have been memorable mm-hmm. and there's just something just something about pennywise yeah. that's so iconic and that's fair and memorable that i think it's and they did make him a spidery thing right but, right know, which i don't know that like it, it looked fine <laughs> And threatening and scary and everything, mm-hmm. but also like the more I reflect on it, I think of this is maybe not a deep cut, but I think of the Treehouse of Horror, uh, one of the Treehouse of Horrors from uh, The Simpsons, where it's a the riff on Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, where Groundskeeper Willie is in their dreams, and there's one segment where he is. Like he's he's like a spidery like bagpipe kind of thing. I, think I know what you're talking about, but yeah. it's still his head. Yeah, and like I just got flashes of that when I saw <laughs> Penny Pennywise. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, the pep. I want to highlight the pep talk that Richie gives to Eddie. I thought it was great. Yeah, um, like who killed a demonic clown before he was 14? Who stabbed? <laughs> uh, Henry Bowers with a knife that he pulled from his own face. Yeah. Who married a woman that's ten times his body mass? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God damn it. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, uh, okay, I have a nitpick that is, that is again, it's a, it's a nitpick. It's whatever. Beep, beep, Richie. Mm hmm. So there are two instances, technically three instances where it's used in this movie. Uh, it's in the voiceover as Richie is on stage bombing on, on stage at the beginning. Uh, someone says like he's having memories. It's like a cacophony of memories of voices from Derry and someone says beep beep Richie. Um, two is at the Derry house, uh, the inn 
where Bev says beep beep Richie after mm-hmm. Richie says something obnoxious. Yeah. And the third one is at the climax where he's where he yells at Pennywise beep beep motherfucker. And then I think that's when he gets caught in the deadlights. Yes. My issue with that is that the book has beep beep Richie as a running thing mm-hmm. that the kids say to Richie and that the losers say to Richie to get him to tone it down because mm-hmm. uh, he's because he's too he's a trash mouth. Yeah. The first movie doesn't establish that at all. Like, no. there's one instance in the first movie, and it's it's kind of a little um, little nod to book fans. It's when Pennywise jumps out of the coffin, and he's like, "Beep beep, Richie," and it's like, "There's that's the only context we have for that," and it just it bothered me that it's used in the second part. Yeah, as if it was established that way in the first. Right. Yeah, I, it wasn't established, and that's kind of a. I just didn't have a lot of thoughts about it. Really, I okay. I didn't really. Yeah, I don't yeah. disagree with you. Sure. But, yeah. Um, how'd you feel about Eddie's death? Um, I, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, mm-hmm. I like, I, you know, I saw it coming cause it's in the book and yeah. I, I figured that was going to stay in. I, mm-hmm. I would have been disappointed if, if none of them would have died. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of Stanley. Right. Um, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was good. I mean, I thought, and I thought it was heavy. Like it actually had, it resonated. Yeah. And like I thought it was emotional and yeah, I, I th- I think it was handled well, and yeah. I agree. Like in the setup of like the, the slow build to that, like having the him being kind of kind of scared, um, and kind of gaining that confidence, and like I love the moment when Bev gives him the, um, oh, I don't know what it's called, like a fire poker. Yeah, I think it's part of a fence. But oh, is it? It's like techni- a, yeah, yeah, it looks like a fire poker. Um, and she's like, "This kills monsters if you believe it." Like that is a beautiful scene Mm -hmm. like i thought that was a such a nice touch my issue and it's a nitpick and i'm not going to have a problem with it when i revisit it and everything but in the book he his arm is bitten off and i like the symmetry of his arm being bitten off and him bleeding out literally bleeding out bleeding to death from that wound because it's a symmetry between adult and and young eddie because eddie's arm gets broken in the movie, it's too Hollywood. It's too movie yeah. death. It's like he's he's stabbed from behind with the like pincer or whatever. Yeah, and it's just it comes through the front. It's like I've seen that in a million movies. Like right. I just I it felt it just felt too Hollywoodized. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um. So how did you feel about the way that they defeated Pennywise? Um. I'm I honestly I have trouble remembering how they defeat him in the book. And that's interesting because I kind of do too and I think that that's due to um the fact that uh that Stephen King was coked out of his gourd. Yeah, right. Um because the ending is a mind fuck in the book. It's such a mind fuck. It's yeah. so metaphysical. It's so just abstract. Yeah. And I think that they defeated it just by kind of almost a psychic link of sorts. Right. Um, I, I thought in the book they kind of snuffed out the deadlights. I somehow, I, cause I know they also had silver that they kind of imbued with power and right. they had like the inhaler became like a, like a weapon and everything right. cause they believed that it would be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the idea of like, Oh, we didn't talk about Eddie's bl- flashback, but uh, I did want to touch on real quick that that music drop of "Just Call Me Angel in the Morning." Yeah, felt 
so out of place to it me. It was weird. I don't get out it. Of, like two, three seconds. It's like they wanted to have a full-on thing, but it's like we don't want to pay for the rights yeah. of it, so we're only going to pay for a little bit. But it so out of place. I didn't get that, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, the, him saying like it felt small, it felt weak and everything. And it's like... And then, like, I think Mike was like, well, it's the, it's the thing of the, it's the, some scientific law or whatever. It's just like, it's a, it encompasses the, what the Native American says, like, it, it fills out the, uh, vacuum, the volume of the container it's in or whatever. So, like, they Mm -hmm. have to lure it into a smaller place. But anyway, they basically yell at it until it becomes a small thing and then they take the heart and rip it out. It kind of worked. But it sure. was it was a little cheesy. It was a little hokey. A little yeah, hokey, yeah, yeah. And I I just felt like it it kind of I didn't have as much of a problem with it the second time. The first time around, I had a kind of a bigger issue with it because it just felt unimaginative compared yeah. to the book. And right. I was comparing it to the book, so yeah. that was a fault of mine. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> so yeah. So anything else on the climax? Um. No, no, I guess not. Okay. Um, I, I think it it looked good. There was like the yeah. the layer, the set was good. Mm-hmm. That was well done. I think the the deadlights were amazing. Great, I thought. yeah, especially the part where he locks Richie. Yes, that was like I was like, Ooh. that was amazing. And you yeah. see it like you see the deadlights like going through the back of of uh, right. its head. He's like channeling them. Yes, sort of. yeah, so was, cool. That was cool. Um, yeah, I thought that that was really cool. Um. Really <laughs> felt a little eh that just the house was destroyed, not yeah. the whole town. Yeah, I, and I was thinking about that. You know, I I guess the ending in the book is a little darker than I remembered. Yeah, like the town is gone, mm-hmm. and don't in the book don't they all start to forget? Yes, and that was my honestly. I think that's my biggest issue with the entire movie. Okay, um, because they start forgetting again. And the movie retcons that or changes that into yeah. where it's like, well, we can remember now because we killed it and we defeated it and everything. And it's like there's this whole thing like where Ben says that he still wants to remember the good and everything. Uh, he wants to hang on to the good memories. And like, I like that sentiment, but it felt too happy. It felt too positive. Like the movie, the like the story of it is at its heart. It's about these these grownups that are confronting these, this shared trauma that they had as kids that is no longer in their memory. And it's about reconnecting with what made them work so well together as kids and defeat this demonic thing. Um, and in the process kind of shed that, that guilt or that, or that, uh, that kind of trauma of their past. And like, I get what the movie's going for that like, okay, they've, they've shed the trauma. They've defeated the, the evil thing. They can go on with their lives and be happy and they can remember it and everything. And it just felt like there, it's such a beautifully poignant thing about the book is that they forget it. Like they start to forget everything. And it's just like, that's life. That's you forget like what it's like to be a kid and everything. And, and it just felt like that was a disservice to the to the story to me. Okay. Um, I actually, yeah. f- I was expecting the town to implode. Yeah. I I was I thought that would be that the true denouement would be more true to the book. Yeah. Um, that's what I was expecting, but I I for whatever reason 
in the moment, I actually welcomed that happier ending. Okay. Um, I have, I don't know why. I, I, cause mm-hmm. I, I really wanted that. I wanted yeah. that darker, more realistic ending. And I think it would have, it would have tied in a little better with the, uh, sentiments that Big Bill was talking about mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie where he's talking about, you know, closure. Most people don't get closure in oh, their, yeah. their lives and stuff like that. And endings are overrated kind of type thing. He was theme. He was sticking to in the beginning of the movie. I think it would have tied in better with those ideas mm-hmm. to go with the books ending. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think I just love those characters and mm. to see them happy at the end was, was kind of nice. Sure. And, and I won't dispute that. Like, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, I totally get that. I just, I I don't know. I just feel like ultimately I do wish they would have done what the ending that was in the book. Yeah. Though, where they start start to forget. And, yeah. Um but I think I think you could do both. I think you could you can have them achieve happiness and still start to forget and have Derry be just some dark stain that everybody mm-hmm. forgets about in the middle of Maine somewhere. Yeah. Um and you know, Big Bill still takes his ride on Silver at the end, and, and see, yeah. Ben, Ben, and Beverly still mm. take right off into the sunset together. You know, I think I think you can still have that happiness mm. with the the uh, the closure of the trauma, mm-hmm. if you will. I guess sure, yeah. and maybe I would feel more at peace with that if they had ended the movie with Bill's bike ride. Yeah. Like, if they had moved, just moved that scene from earlier in the movie to the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. because that in the book signifies so much to me, like him embracing what he remembers as a kid while shedding away the the trauma that terrorized him Mm -hmm. and his friends. Yeah. Um, And it just feels like such a such a poignant moment, like it's such an emotional thing, but them remembering everything and it's like, oh, we had a fucked up vacation. One of our friends died and two of our friends died. Yeah. Um, but we remembered everything. Here's the pictures. It just feels like I, it didn't agree with me. Okay. Um, the yeah. other big thing that I, I was not too keen on was the suicide note or oh, really? suicide note. Yeah. Okay. The whole idea that Stanley, that Stanley took his own life as a, as a, in order to make sure that the losers were successful, mm-hmm. like as a calculated move felt just, it didn't, it didn't feel right to me. Um, okay. specifically because the book, like that's like Stanley killing himself in the book. Granted, we don't know everything that happened. We don't have the benefit of, you know, an entire movie of them as kids and then Stanley killing himself in the book because Stanley kills himself in chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um, but that establishes just like the, the, the weight of it, like the, the importance of it and the, and the terror of it and the, uh, the stakes that are at play. Yeah. But like having it be like, Oh, well, I did this so that you guys can win and everything. And it just feels like. I I didn't need that. I th- I f- yeah. feel like it it was too happy. Like it was yeah, tragically happy. It was kind of sweet, but not in keeping with yeah the themes of the book. And yeah, yeah. It, it was out of place. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Um. So overall, what did you think of it? Chapter two. Um. I I really liked it. I they like I said. I don't know. Ah man. I I think as a collective two film, mm-hmm. you know, roughly. 
five-ish hours. Yeah, a of, more like five and a half, I five think. Five and a half hours yeah. of film. I think this is a pretty much as good as it's going to get for ad- adapting Stephen King's book. And, yeah. And yeah. I, the, obviously there's choices you can make that are mm. different and like, but I think it, I don't know. I, I think this is as good as it's going to get. Like I, I don't really want in 20 years somebody to try to remake this or I don't know. Like I'm, I'm that's, satisfied with what I got. I really am. And that's great. Yeah. Um, I'm all for like another 27 years passing and then remaking it. <laughs> okay. Um, because I think that, I think that it's prime for like a streaming service yeah. limited series. Limited series, yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. That that's our that's our review of the movie. I'll say that because mm-hmm. I want to touch on a couple of things from the book, and then I can let you leave. Um, <laughs> so, book spoilers more so than what's been um, book spoilers on. I'm going to play a little bit of music here. We're going to spoil the book. It. Okay, spoilers on for It, the book. My biggest thing was that they did not go for it with Matcher and the Turtle. Yeah, um, right. And the the macroverse and the metaphysical thing, the mm-hmm. Battle of Wills and the mind. And, like, I feel like it, they could even do, like, kind of a Doctor Strange type of thing. Like, like they, there's ways that they can, they can visualize that. And my biggest gripe is that... Like in the book, if you're listening to spoilers, if you haven't read the book, um, the actual ritual of Chud is that they, they band together. And I think, I think it's just Bill goes into the macroverse and he sees Matcher and the turtle, which is like the, like the representation of good, uh, kind of an immortal like being, um, in the dark tower. He's, he's one of the guardians of the beams. Um, and like Matcher and the turtle tells him like, Oh, Hey, you know, you know, I'm, I'm good and everything. Like he tells, he kind of like tells him like how to defeat it and everything. And they, they defeat it in, I think they defeat it in the macroverse like that. Bill like uses, like they use this kind of like power that they have, the bond that they have together to defeat it at a, at a molecular level like mm, that. Mm-hmm. And like it's a very metaphysical, like I said, King was coked out of his mind. Yeah. If you read that section of the book, it, it's really hard to grasp like visually yeah. what's, what's going on. Right. But, I think that they could have still done that. And my biggest gripe with the movie and the movies even in, in retrospect is that they had references to, to the turtle. Like the first movie had like they're in the quarry and there's yeah. a reference to the turtle. And then uh, Bill has uh, in Georgie's room, a uh, like Lego turtle and everything. Right. And then in the classroom in it chapter two, there's a giant freaking like, statue of a turtle right, and everything right. it's like and i saw that i was like they're gonna they're gonna go for it they're gonna do it <laughs> and they didn't no they didn't and it and it was such a bummer to me really? um yeah because i i just i wanted the movie to embrace the weird yeah i really wanted it to just freaking go for it and yeah. it and it didn't um and I, and I really thought that in the denouement, I thought that when they, when they were, uh, as adults, when they were cleaning themselves off in the quarry, I really, really thought when Richie was like, I lost my glasses, I, I was so certain that Bill was gonna like go underwater and like he was gonna like be brought into the macroverse and like see Matron and like they were gonna yeah. have like a palaver. I thought there'd be more, more there too. Yeah. yeah. 
And, but it didn't, and like that would have been, that would have satisfied me. That would have been mm-hmm. fine. But I it just, it's again, it's another situation where it's something that didn't, it, it, it felt like it was being set up, but just didn't pay off. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have been hard to achieve though. It really would I'm have. Not, I, I think you could do yeah. it. I think you could absolutely do it. The mm-hmm. right person. Um, uh, what's Kerry Fukunaga? Yeah. Probably could have pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I was so thrilled when he was originally attached to the project. Cause I was yeah. like, he can make that work at the end. Um, so yeah, I think I, but, but again, it is, I think that'd be tough. And I, yeah, I, I can't necessarily see a way to pull it off, but I'm not a, I'm not a filmmaker. So, right. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I would, I would love to see it though. Yeah. yeah. Somebody try to do that. That's why I think it would be doable in like a limited series on Netflix or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they could I definitely like to see it. it in a series. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, that's really the only book thing that I have. I th- I'm sure that there's other things, but, sure. um, my, Wax warmer thing is making my eyes really dry. <laughs> if okay. that's a thing, I don't know. My All sinuses right. are weird about it. Gotcha. So anyway, uh, I think that'll do it for Tower Junkies this yep. week. Um, this time that we're here. Um, surprise, uh, there's going to be an obsessive viewer it chapter two review. I just hiccuped into the mic. <laughs> oh, it's still going. Okay. I'm going to take that again. Um, surprise, there is going to be a, an It Chapter 2 review on Obsessive Viewer with me and Fekus. Uh, Tiny, unfortunately, has to work tomorrow yes. when we record. But um, but look forward to that. I might try to release these episodes at the exact same time. Um, I think it'll be a fun conversation with Fekus because he has not read It. So I think it'll be more of a um, review of the movie than uh, my um, annoying nitpicks about differences from the book. <laughs> um, so yeah, so look forward to that obsessiveviewer.com and also coming up on tower junkies. We're going to do, I think a news roundup. Eventually we're going to do the Institute. We have a lot of stuff in the pipeline. So, um, yeah, so check us out. Also check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and, uh, minimum, a uh, donation of $1 per month gets you access to an RSS feed uh, that has just exclusive content recorded for you. Also, if you donate $5 or above to Patreon, you get access to video reviews of movies that I see in the theater every now and then. Um, so, yeah. So, having said all that, I think that'll do it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Long days, pleasant nights. And may you have twice the number. Yeah. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Are you going back to see the doctor at any time? No, they said that what they're going to do is they're going to put in the order for the... They're going to send it to... Send the data to a sleep, like, doctor. Yeah. uh, Doctor sleep, if you will. (laughs) Um, And then... uh, And then uh, when... When he or she gets that data at the Institute, (laughs) uh, they will go ahead and just kind of... It'll it'll cause like a kind of fire starter for them to for them to to order the the CPAP information and then uh, hopefully when I get it and everything like they'll they'll notify me and like let me know if there's like a copay or anything so it's I'm not gonna be billed like a billion dollars or anything but uh, hopefully I'll be like the shining example of of uh, of a person with sleep apnea and everything I hate you yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, me too. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I was just curious. Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com and on Twitter at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and OVAnthologyPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!